You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. We're back after a short little break. When I say we, it's actually just me this time. It's been a while since it's been a just you and me type of show. Nikki and Dan are out enjoying their summer. It's so darn hot everywhere, it seems, these days. Uh, there is no difference there here in the Chicago area. Played golf today. Uh, sweat, I think, enough to meet my sweat quota, if that's a thing, for the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, I've decided uh, I needed to get a few things off my chest, which is why I wanted to record this episode. Plus, we, we hadn't been around for a little while because we've all been busy doing the things that we like to do in the summer. Before I get into any of that, you know where you can find us over at golfunfiltered.com as well as on social media. It seems to be an ever-changing landscape these days. We are still on Twitter. We are still on Instagram. We're still on TikTok. And we also are on Threads, the new meta-owned Twitter killer, I guess is what they're calling it, at golfunfiltered. And, of course, you could follow me, Adam, individually, at Adam J. Fonseca on Twitter as well, at least for now. I will say, I am uh, up to my eyeballs in frustration with that platform. And I've talked about this. I've complained about it. Nikki and Dan give me hell for it all the time, as well as all the other people that I talk about this, because I just won't shut up about how much I dislike Twitter. But it seems to be... A necessary evil, at least right now, until Elon just completely ruins the thing. And and it's going to happen. I mean, there's just nothing that I'm seeing. uh, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But nothing I'm seeing that gives me any sense of confidence that 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 platform is going to be around much longer. But who knows? I mean, you'd have to think that he's going to try everything he can. And it still remains barely... It remains the one social media network that we have the most following on. TikTok is catching up to that. So you can still find us there. So, uh, also, I should mention, I need to do a better job at this. We are brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Bridgestone Golf. This is, They are our title sponsor now. And we also, of course, continue our partnerships with Coghill Golf and Country Club. They're doing a lot of great stuff over at Coghill. If you're in this area, you know, if you're within an hour or so, I'll say, of Coghill, They've got just some crazy fun events going on. they got a Scotch and Stogies event coming up on Dubs Dread. Uh, they've got all sorts of leagues, and they've got other little you know, uh, events that they like to host over at their practice academy, which is just it's top-notch these days. You've heard me talk about that. So go out to coghillgolf.com. You can find out a little bit more about what's going on there. We are also brought to you by our friends over at Sharp Focus Nutrition, Brinson Paolini. The creator, the owner, he's been on this podcast a couple times. We'll bring him back on here in a, in a little bit. Uh, sharpfocusnutrition.com. You can learn a little bit more about their system to uh, help you eat a little bit healthier while you're playing this game if you want to take it seriously. There's also, of course, room for those of you that just like to go out and have a good time and maybe uh, not care too much about your nutrition. But uh, for those who want to take it seriously, they do have a good system out there. And last but not least, we do continue our partnership with our good friends over at Mizuno Golf. Great, great equipment. You don't really need me to tell you that. They've been known for that for decades. 
Uh, very, very happy to partner with them this year as well. The 923 JPX 923s, uh, those irons, the S23 wedges, I just did a review on our YouTube channel as well as uh, on the site. Fantastic golf clubs. Can't say enough good things about them. Try them out. Go get fit. You know what to do. All right. Let's get into today's two topics. There's two things I want to talk about, mainly because they've been on my mind. And I'll be honest, I I haven't I haven't decided how to cover the PGA Tour, Live Golf, DP World Tour news, especially we're just a few days removed from a Senate hearing about this framework agreement or whatever it is that they're trying to tell us it is or it isn't. I haven't decided how I want to talk about it. I've, uh, I'm on this group chat with Nikki and Dan, and I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm just, I'm so over men's professional golf right now. It is, it, I can't think of a less fun thing to watch in terms of sports than all the drama that's going on with that whole thing. And then we've got this Senate hearing where we didn't learn anything new other than we heard a couple tidbits like, you know, the public investment fund was going to toss a billion dollars or so, maybe a little bit more, to the PGA Tour to keep them afloat, which just raises a ton more questions about how the PGA Tour has been managed up to this point. We also learned this little tidbit that something like less than 3% or 4% of their revenue actually goes to charity. So how do those two things make any sense? And then, of course, we learned the other thing where, you know, Jay Monahan, PGA Tour, they wanted to to keep up or at least offer some sweet deal to the loyalists that stuck around with their, you know, their their PIP plan and the elevated events and all that. And oh, by the way, they can't afford to do that anymore. Which is why they had this conversation with the public investment fund, Saudi Arabia, in the first place. So there's just there's so many questions about how how inept has this tour been that none of us really knew? And it's something that Phil Mickelson, to his credit, as much as I think the guy's just a complete schmuck, to his credit, he's been telling us it's not like he's wrong. They've got all this money and it's not going anywhere other than their own pockets, apparently. And we find that there's only 4% or less that actually go to charities, despite the fact that the PGA Tour is a non-profit entity. I, like, it just left such a sour taste in my mouth. And it has for the better, uh, I don't know, year and a half now. This It's just so not fun to watch. And, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I try to stay... The people who know me personally, and I've kind of let this slip out a few times on uh, on social, which I've been trying to do better job at. You all know my political leanings, right? I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to go down that path. But what I will say is that some of these senators, <laughs> if you watched that hearing, holy cow, they don't know a damn thing about this situation. That their committee, their subcommittee, has been tasked with addressing. Josh Hawley, he goes on, and there's a ton of stuff I could talk about that guy, but 
he kept hammering this whole PGA Tour China thing. It's like, come on, dude. And then, you know, he tries to do this gotcha moment, which if you've ever watched any Senate hearing, that's all that these are. No matter which side of the aisle you sit, it's they're always trying to catch you in something. And Josh Hawley clearly didn't know what the hell he was talking about. He had an intern or something go and do all this research about, oh, my God, China, China, China. Well, uh, and then there's Ron Price from the PGA Tour fielding the question. Well, um, Senator, we haven't dealt in that part of the world since 2019. And he just, Holly wouldn't let it go. He concluded his line of questioning because he knew he wasn't getting anywhere. He came up with some BS excuse that he had to go somewhere else. Then he comes back later on, I don't know, maybe an hour later, puts up the same ridiculous quote that is no longer valid on a poster board on an easel. (laughs) He just continues to go after PGA Tour China. And, you know, to his credit, Ron Price, one of the two guys along with Jimmy Dunn, who were actually brave enough to go sit in front of the Senate, where the hell was Jay Monahan? He's coming back to work, but he can't sit in front of a Senate. Whatever. To Ron Price's credit, at, at one point, he's just like, Senator, I could tell you two things. I forget what the second thing was, but he basically said, we have not worked with China since 2019. Just a complete clown show. And and Holly wasn't the only one. I mean, there were others. And it's just, I don't know. The last thing I'll say from a senator standpoint, Rand Paul, that blowhard. I, do, <laughs> I don't care. If some of you listening to this are fans of him, I am sorry for you. But that dude wasn't even part of the committee, decides to just show up to tell them, I don't know why you're meeting about this, just to hear himself talk. I, well, that's par for the course. You know, quite frankly, I'm I'm surprised that he didn't blame Anthony Fauci for something. <laughs> okay, I'll leave that alone. I'm sorry. Oh my God! Uh, you know, and just to watch the whole thing, I, I did. I watched the entire thing. Had it on in the background here in my office, and I'm just watching it. And then, you know, for the majority of it, I'm just sitting there shaking my head, thinking the entire time, I, how did we get here? And. You know, the obvious answer to that is there was an existential threat that popped out of nowhere with Live Golf. And I don't even know if popping out of nowhere is the right way to phrase that, because this is something now knowing what we know now about the ineptitude of how the PGA Tour had been run in certain elements and the complete lack of revenue sharing or whatever it is else that you need to say. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm not sure the right terminology here, but. This was something that's been brewing. Like it was going to happen at some point. There was going to be a competitor that popped up. And the fact that Saudi Arabia, the public investment fund, has essentially unlimited cash. They could throw millions and millions and millions of dollars at these players. They're going, they're going to continue to do that. Or at least they were until they got to this point. And the PGA Tour was screwed. They had absolutely no no response to this and any response that they tried to make it was inadequate to the point where they couldn't afford it anymore which is why they sat down with the Saudis again and 
you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend to know. Like you listen to a ton of other shows, and they're all like, "Well, you know, you rumor this, rumor that, inside sources." I don't have any inside sources at the PGA Tour. I don't really want any. <laughs> I'm just reacting to what we're all seeing in the news and on TV, and 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 just making my own assumptions here. Like, what? What are they doing? Uh, this has been going on for so long, apparently, that they were just ripe for the picking in many ways. And these players, they have no loyalty. And the ones that did show loyalty, who continue even now, they were interviewing players at the Scottish Open. Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Xander Schauffele. Nobody knows anything. These players who are part of this player-run organization, allegedly, they don't know anything. And when asked about that, Jimmy Dunn, to his credit, even though I've got opinions about him as well, but to his credit, he admitted during the hearing, yeah, we didn't handle that really well. That was a mess. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. That could have been handled better, I think, is something that he said. And this this thought that, which I guess there's some credence to it, where they wanted to keep things quiet because they didn't want anything to leak. I mean, I could I could see that, I guess. I mean, let's be honest. Nowadays, there are no secrets. I mean, if anything of this magnitude is going to happen, somebody's going to leak it. It's going to hit social media. They're going to be talking about it on Twitter or wherever else. And then all of a sudden, the whole deal falls through, which it still might, by the way. I apologize if I'm jumping around here. I'm just kind of freewheeling here. But this agreement to have an agreement, whatever it is, it still might not come to fruition. Just a couple days ago, the Department of Justice, in their uh, potential antitrust probe or whatever it was, basically said, hey, look, you got to you know, get rid of that whole provision in your little agreement here that you're not going to try to poach each other's players anymore. You got to get rid of that because then you're essentially a monopoly. So that's no longer a thing. And I guess it's just going to be one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not going to take your guys anymore agreement. It's not written down anywhere. It's not going to be written down anywhere. But is this like some sort of handshake gentleman's agreement? that Liv is not going to take any more players. Well, how how is that not like an ironclad thing that you figure out from the get-go? Again, knowing that they wanted to keep things secret, but it just goes to, to again, it goes to show how haphazardly this entire thing has been put together. It's ludicrous how this whole thing has, has panned out. We come to learn more things in this document drop that just so happened to coincide with the Senate hearing. And so it was weird because like all of certainly golf Twitter, at least we're trying to watch this thing on TV. We've got the document drop on our laptops, our computers reading through that too. We come to learn in the documents that Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy were essentially bargain bargaining chips for this entire thing. Like who is offering up? 
Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy to give them their own live teams. And who in the world is suggesting that Tiger Woods is going to play 10 events? The man can't walk. Whose idea was that? I think Nikki in our group chat even said, I I want to know who sent what email. (laughs) And I think in her case, it was also in reference to this fact that uh, His Excellency, Yasser, wants an Augusta National membership. Like, who, who is doing this? Like, to be a fly on the wall in that meeting, whenever it, it occurred, Jay Monahan, Jimmy Dunn, whoever else was there, you know, the public investment fund represent. Was it just, hey, here's a blank sheet of paper. Write down your most wild dreams. And we're going to do the best we can to make it happen because we don't want the PGA Tour, this great American institution, to fold. Just it, oh God, it's so disgusting. It, it, and I've been pro PGA Tour this entire time. It's, it's what I'm used to. I don't have any ties to it. I don't work for the PGA Tour. I don't, I, I, nothing like that. But I just, I can't get past this. And, and, you know, I know I'm rambling about this, but you can probably sense. And I would think maybe some of you have similar thoughts along these lines. You've been a lifelong men's professional golf PGA Tour fan. And now the emperor has no clothes. We're seeing exactly how this this association, this tour has been run. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I mean, we come to learn that the the Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy tie-in you know, that, that bargaining chip is not going to happen. A few other shows that you've probably all listened to, uh, Shotgun Start, for example. I'm a big fan of that show. Andy and Brennan do a great job. They've both been on this show individually. They come to, you know, they've, they've got many more sources than we do here at GU, and Tiger apparently has some very strong opinions about Saudi Arabia. And then Rory, on the record, the Scottish Open, Basically says, if Live Golf was the last place in the world to play golf, he was going to retire. Well, I mean, that might be lip service, but with Rory, I don't think it is. And now it's out there. So, could you imagine that? Could you imagine that this whole thing just goes away? That the deal falls through, somebody screws it up, and Live Golf is the last place. There's going to be a handful of players. Probably more than that that are going to jump immediately to live golf because it's the only place to go. And based on Rory's own words, and I don't view him as somebody that's going to go back on his word, he retires. That's just weird to think about. Like, none of this had to happen. And the fact that this is reality right now, I just... It doesn't make it any fun to cover. It doesn't make it any fun to cover. I know you guys are all sick of hearing it. I know I'm sick of talking about it. But what else is there to talk about in regard to pro golf? This is this is a really, really bad time to cover the game of golf if you consider yourself golf media. It sucks. 
Yeah, everyone's saying that it's rich in content. And oh my God, there's so much news. And yeah, there's news. But you know what I also hear? And you listening to this, you might have had this thought. Almost, I'm not even exaggerating, 80% of the player, uh, people that watch professional golf I ha- that I know, I have heard them say to me, I am only going to watch the majors now. Like, people don't want to watch golf anymore. I don't. And I own a damn website and a podcast that talks about golf. Like, I... Like... <laughs> uh it just get, it gets, makes me so angry. And so I sit back and I and I think about, okay, well, we could just, at Golf Unfiltered, we could just talk about golf in general, right? And maybe that's what we do. You know, we got some cool things that we're, we're thinking about doing. My plan right now is to go to the BMW Championship because it's here in Olympia Fields in Illinois. And then the next week is, of course, the Tour Championship at Eastlake down in Atlanta, Nikki lives down in Georgia. I don't think Dan's going to be able to make it this time, but I'm planning on going out there, hang out, go watch a tournament, maybe do some stuff around the town, you know, that type of thing. And, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a little part of me that's curious as to what the atmosphere is going to be like at these tournaments, at the FedEx Cup. Like, is this even a thing that matters anymore? Is the FedEx Cup champion even worth a damn? Like, there's so many questions that we don't have answers to. Nobody has answers to. And, I mean, hell, I'll say it. To live golf's credit, they were the disruptors of all disruptors. Like, I can't think of another business venture, at least in sports. Like, I wasn't around when the AFL and the NFL, that that whole thing happened. I wasn't around any of those things. This, this is it. I mean, this is, this is going to change the entire landscape of professional golf on the men's side. And potentially on both sides. Men and women. Hell, maybe everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. But Saudi Arabia is not going to stop. They're going to continue to do whatever they want to do, and there are going to be players who are on board. John Rahm, he is going to live golf if it sticks around. I guarantee you Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, Scotty, all of them, all of them are going to live golf. Rory won't. He'll quit. I don't know. He'll retire, like he says, if we believe his word. I don't think we're ever going to see Tiger Woods again at a PGA Tour event. Not after the way that that guy has been put on a table like a like a poker chip. I guarantee you he doesn't appreciate that at all. You know, not too long ago, I wrote... People have been writing about this for years, but I wrote a quick little uh, article, essay, on golfandfilter.com about is now the time that players need to unionize. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I've I've worked in a union one time in my career. That was when I was a a, a, a grocery store bagger. <laughs> I had to join a union, um, and I'm pro union. You know, I, I shit. I got a lot of friends that work at them. I think they do good things. Is now the time that the PGA Tour needs to do something like this? You know, in some some weird pipe dream 
that I have is, you know, does Tiger just kind of say, you know what, screw the PGA Tour. I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to Nike, TaylorMade, you know, Buick, whoever, Monster, for crying out loud, Monster Energy Drink, and I'm going to go get the equivalent of whatever Live Golf or the, the Public Investment Fund was going to give the PGA Tour. I'm going to go find a billion dollars, and I'm going to start my own thing. And you know what? I'm going to get Rory. I'm going to get my buddy JT. I'm going to get Max Homa. I'm going to go get Colin Morikawa, and we're going to play our own little exhibition matches all the time. We're going to have Steph Curry. We're going to have Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. We're going to do these little things. Charles Barkley is going to come, and he's going to be our commentator, and you're going to love it. You, you mean to tell me that you don't think sponsors are going to latch onto that? They're never going to match the obscene amount of money that Saudi Arabia can pay. Let's just call it that. But at what point does the dollar amount just become funny money? Right? I mean, $700 million, $900 million. Like, who cares? What, what's a couple million dollars <laughs> between friends, right? Like, I think it could happen. I don't think Tiger has any desire to do any of this, except for one factor, and that's Charlie. Charlie Woods, his son. If that boy, who's an extremely talented player already at the junior level, if he wants to play professional golf at some point, don't you think it's at least feasible that Tiger Woods wants to protect something for him? Tiger has always been this advocate for the game. He has told a story of how Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus sat him down along with Rory and said, you two are it now. You have to protect this game. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But that happened. I would love to see Tiger just kind of say, you know what? I got my own thing now. And if you want in on this, I've got a billion reasons why. You should do this. It's not going to be as much as Saudi could pay you. If you want to go do that, go do it. But if you want to do something cool here, then let's do it. I think it could happen. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. <laughs> the second thing I want to talk about, which I just, I just thought was funny. And, you know, shout out again to the guys, Andy and Brendan, over at the Shotgun Start. I mean... I went and played golf today. I was listening to their show coming home from the golf course. And if you're a fan of the show, then you know what I'm going to talk about. It, you know, so Andy has uh, told the story many times that he was playing Persimmon Woods and he was playing, uh, I think, 1970s Blades just to go do that. You know, it's not something I would do, but he decided he wanted to do that. He played it for like a year and a half or whatever he did. And then he went to club champion and he got fit coincidentally for the same driver that I ended up getting fit for the Callaway paradigm. Uh, I got the triple diamond. I've written about it. I've talked about it. Hands down the best golf club I have ever owned period. It's not even close. Callaway is not a partner. 
I would welcome them with open arms, but I will just say the Callaway paradigm is absolutely incredible, especially if you get fit and you get everything, you know, dialed into what you need. And Andy tells the story many times that I think he said he gained about 50 yards I didn't, uh, from the persimmon that he was hitting. I didn't see 50 yards in a, in uh, a distance increase, but I saw about 20 and it's it's just an incredible driver. That's all I'll say. Shout out to my man JJ at Club Champion here in Willowbrook, Illinois. That that fit me in. I got a VA Drago shaft. It's an obscenely expensive shaft. I treated myself to this club. I don't regret it for a second. And at the end of the day, you guys, if you've listened to me talk about the distance debate, you know where I stand on that. At the professional level, just for those of you who don't know I, the, where I stand on this, at the professional level, they have to do something with distance. I don't care what they do. Everyone for the longest time, including myself, thought it was the golf ball. I don't think it's the golf ball. And what's funny about all of this, and Andy and Brendan talked about this too, the video of Rory McIlroy in Scotland hitting a persimmon driver that was tweeted out by the, by the PGA Tour, including the launch numbers. <laughs> the ball launch monitor numbers were included. I mean, if you're on the side where it's like, you know, the, the ball's not going any farther. I mean, all you got to do is watch that video. All you got to do is watch the video. I'm going off a of memory here, but I believe Rory, with the persimmon driver that he absolutely crushed, Per his own admittance. Admittance? <laughs> he admitted this. He caught it on the screws, quite literally. He had 168 ball speed, mile per hour ball speed. And I think he had 4,400 RPM in backspin. Which is a lot of spin for a driver, if you're aware of how fittings work. And then he switches to his driver, which is, I believe, the TaylorMade Stealth 2. And then he went, he goes and flies it like 320 yards or something ridiculous, whereas he was flying the persimmon... I think about 260. You know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say that you all need to go buy persimmons. That's not my whole point. That's not my point. But it was just, it's, it's so funny and probably inadvertent on the tour's part to tweet out that video showing an essentially legitimizing everything that the USGA and the RNA have been saying about the need to roll back the game at the professional level. You and I are not going to go out and duplicate those numbers. Most of us won't. That Rory McIlroy, pound for pound, the best driver of the golf ball in the world most days. We're not going to replicate that. But that's why it's so important to keep saying that it's at the professional level. Nobody's trying to take your distance away. Nobody wants to do that. And even the proposal that was, you know, floated out months ago by the USGA was in relation to the golf ball under the local model rule. We've talked about this at length. You've probably read about it. That's one of the solutions. I agree that another solution could be Make the golf courses harder. Don't make the runways, or I mean the fairways, <laughs> act like runways. Grow the grass. Do it. Make these guys 
show skill and not just bomb and gouge, right? It's, I've seen it with my own eyes and ears and my own golf game. When you buy a modern driver that has been fit to you, optimized to you, you are going to see extreme results. You might not get 50 yards of carry, but in my case, I was hitting a modern driver. I switched to the Callaway paradigm. I gained 20 yards. And even more so, that ball, unless I do something incredibly wrong with my golf swing, the ball is not going left. I could just step up to the tee and I could swing as hard as I want with this thing. And I know that it's going to land somewhere playable for the most part. Again, assuming I don't do something completely ridiculous with my golf swing, which is very rare. I just, these two things, the, the whole men's professional golf agreement thing and the Senate hearing and all that, coupled with just the way that the game is being played from a technology standpoint, they continue to just kind of go back and forth. This is the sicko stuff that I think about when I'm at the driving range or when I'm just sitting at my desk trying to think of something to write for the website or to record a podcast. I'm thinking of these two things probably far more than I should. And I know that that's a problem. (laughs) I'm admitting that I know that that's a problem. You know, and I, I just, I'm a believer that you should be able to enjoy the game however you want to enjoy the game. It, it, if you want to go and hit driver lob wedge on every par four that you play and you have the ability to do that, then you know what? Go do it. Have fun. Go do your thing. Have fun. Shoot your best scores. Good for you. There are some purists out there um, who want to face that challenge, right? I have multiple sets of, of irons at home. Depending on how I feel, I will go play my uh, Mizuno, you know, uh, player distance mold injected irons that are at least a club, if not a club and a half longer than, you know, a set of cavity back combo set that I have that has a thin top line that's a lot thinner. It's a lot harder to hit. But I can play golf with either of those two options. It just depends how I want to feel. Or it depends how I feel that day. There are people like my friend Bill. Bill Bush. He's been on the show. uh, DrivingRangeHeroes.com. It's a great website. Go check him out. Him and our buddy Chris McEwen. They do uh, a podcast of themselves. You've heard me talk to him. He, like I, we like to go to Goodwill. And we like to go find whatever's been donated. Whether it be an old set of Ben Hogan's or an old set of Spalding's. And hell, we'll go out and we'll play with them. Every so often. We're not going to shoot our best scores, but sometimes it's just fun to do that. And then there are people that hear me saying that and they say, why Why would you do that? Why would you spend four hours, five hours on a golf course playing inadequate or old technology knowing that you're not going to shoot your best score? Well, because I can. And you can too. Just like you can go and spend $5,000 on the latest equipment Maybe take a golf lesson and go shoot 79. 
So it's a weird time in the game. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I've just got been too close to it. Maybe I, uh, maybe I care. Oh, I know I care too much about stuff like this. But at the professional level, it's, there's so many things that need to get figured out right now that it's just, it feels divisive. It feels like you have to like this or that. And I've said it too. I mean, live golf. I don't, personally, I don't, it's not my thing. I, I don't see how it continues. Um, especially if they get something worked out in that agreement and Monaghan ends up being the one to make the call. I don't, I think out of spite that he's just going to get rid of it. But it's an interesting concept, I guess. I, I'm not huge on team golf, but I know that there's a lot of people that really like it. And what I hate about all of this is that it is so political. There's something going on. I don't have enough to really speak intelligently about it, but there is something else underneath the layers here about live golf, Saudi Arabia, people who are involved, people who are getting money from the uh, the golf courses that the events are being played at. There's something going on. And, you know, the the curious part of me, like, wants to know, oh, well, is there something going on? You know, there, there's that part of me. But then there's the other part of me that's like, you know what, I just, I don't care anymore. Why Why do we care about this? It's ridiculous. You know, I I don't know where professional golf is going. I don't know to what extent we at Golf Unfiltered are going to cover it. I don't, I really don't know. I would love, from a selfish standpoint, I would love something to get figured out. So that that gives us some direction on how to cover everything. Because right now I also feel, and I, I am sensitive to the fact that every single golf podcast, website, everything that you could possibly listen to, they're all talking about this stuff. And I'll be, a, I'll be transparent with all of you. There are days when I just don't want to do it anymore. Like, what, what are we even talking about? Hell, I'll focus only on stories around the game and not the pro side. I mean, hell, we might have to if this continues. <laughs> but in the meantime, that's almost 40 minutes of me ranting and raving. I had to get these things off my chest. It's been a while since we did one of these solo shows, as I said earlier at the beginning. You know where you can find us. You can find us at Golf Unfiltered on uh, all social media. We are trying threads a little bit more. You know, it's an interesting little platform. If you've not tried it yet, try it out. It's the fastest growing or fastest downloaded app or whatever. Most downloaded app ever. They, they might be doing something right there. I don't know, but we're going to try it. We're going to check it out. Twitter's still around. I would love to leave that platform. I, I admit that freely. I, I don't, I don't see really much benefit to it anymore. Um, Engagement has gone down. Yes, we paid for the blue check mark just to see if that would make any difference. It really hasn't. But uh, TikTok, YouTube, we're doing more on YouTube. Go check us out there. Give us a subscribe. Would really appreciate it. We hope to do more of those types of things because I like. I still like talking about golf. I know Nikki and Dan do too. They would say the same thing if they were here. 
and we want to continue to bring things to you. So we're always open. Adam at golfandfilter.com is the uh, email address to reach me directly. Until we meet again, play some great golf out there. Try not to get as fired up about this stuff like I am. <laughs> I'll, I will get angry about it so you don't have to. And uh, let us know how you're playing. Hell, I like to hear, uh, I like to get emails from people and just say, yeah, this is, this is what I shot. I'd love to hear that stuff. Take care of one another. Stay well. Be healthy. We'll talk soon.